Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Between Two Pods. I'm really excited for this episode. This guest here has been recommended by a lot of other podcasts, but I have Chris Copeland from Retro Hangover. Chris, hello. Hey, how's it going, Slade? Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show. I'm really, really excited to do this today. Like I said, you've been, we were talking prior, you've been recommended by a lot of other guests who have been on here. And I think they want to hear the uh, the answers to your questions. I, I don't know why that kind of concerns <laughs> me and makes me excited at the same time. So uh, the, their, their recommendation to get me on this show is, is a little bit hesitant. Maybe they were expecting Shane. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we will see. But real quick, could you tell everybody a bit about your show and where they can find you on the Internet? Uh, yeah. So I am part of the Retro Hangover podcast for myself and my partner, Shane take a game that's over 10 years old or a console or a gaming personality and we talk about them we give a brief history when it comes to the game or console and then we talk about our personal experiences what we think of the story the graphics the music presentation and how the game plays and then overall at the end of the episode we say whether or not we think the game is worthy of playing today or whether or not it's held up uh, we also have some other series that we do called The Flight, and that alternates in between our main episodes, and that's when we do our top five lists. That's all recommended by our patrons, voted on, and topics suggested by them. And uh, yearly, we have a show called The King of Games 92. Uh, or the, I'm sorry. <laughs> yearly, we have a, a show called The King of Games, and we're working on another year right now. It should be available to our patrons at the time that you're listening to this, but it will be available to the general public so yeah keep an eye out for that and uh so all sorts of content we do over there it's it's rather varied and we just hope that you know you have a good time listening to it and Thanks. if you want to know where you can find us any of the any of the pod catch any of the pod catchers i don't even know if that's what it's called anymore but anywhere you can find podcasts we also have like youtube push channels all that stuff and i'm sure you can find the the link in the show notes i'm not going to plug the link quite yet we'll wait <laughs> the episode for that all good yeah it'll definitely be plugged down below for anybody who would like to go listen to it which i i always like to do prior to doing these conversations to you know try to get a feel for who i'm about to talk to and everything because prior to this you know we're strangers on the internet i don't know anything about you right right um i did go back and listen to y'all's metal gear rising revengeance episode this time of recording and i was Mm -hmm. i was hoping i'd have somebody to share in my hatred of that game but i don't (laughs) so (laughs) sorry you couldn't find it there (laughs) i'm sure i'll find it somewhere else one day uh we've in our show when we reviewed it I went through that whole game not knowing that you could upgrade, like, your health and everything. Oh, no. And I didn't know about healing kits, either. Oh, no. I made it to the final boss. <laughs> like, wow. just by that. I don't know if that means I'm really good or I'm really stupid. There's some... <laughs> somewhere Very stubborn. <laughs> Very stubborn. I can't imagine how that playthrough went. I- I'm sure lots of deaths ensued until you got really, really good at taking down some enemies. Yeah, that- I got pretty good at it. Uh, but let's let's start pretty quickly. So how did the um, or I don't mean quickly, but you know, let's start snowball it. Let's make it easy, right? Mm-hmm. How did the podcast start? What's the origin story for the Retro Hangover? So I'm I'm thinking this goes back to 2015, maybe 2014. Um, I'll say 2014, the the very very deep origins of it. And there was a thing. There was I guess like a party or just some sort of event that we did monthly. The thing was called Arcade Jacks, and it was here in Jacksonville, Florida. Right, and it was hosted by our Nintendo host, who is he was occasionally part of our podcast, Tiger, and it would be at this bar downtown, 
and it would just be we'd go there there'd be a bunch of old consoles hooked up that you could play like super nintendo genesis they would have modern consoles like the wii u or the playstation 4 and you could play fighting games or mario kart or smash brothers or whatever they'd have themed drinks and all the, this stuff some old arcades in the corner too is a place called dive bar that place is shut down it's it's long gone but like that's where we go once a month and have a good time and that stemmed from a local retro game store that we that launched in the area around 2014 called Video Game Rescue. So it was a bunch of people that were fighting community that hadn't really existed at a time getting together and just, you know, communicating and gathering and all that good stuff. So I met Shane at one of these events. I can't remember exactly what really kicked off our friendship, but we, we started hanging out at these arcade jacks and eventually just, you know, started building up a friendship as, as friendships would build. And we started taking it away from RK Jacks, and then we just meet up for drinks every once in a while. And one of those places was called Brewers Pizza, which at the time of recording just closed down last week, unfortunately. Oh, but, that's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. A lot of local businesses are closing down. I hate it. But yeah, we go there, and we have some beers, and we we talk games. And I think our conversation one night, we were discussing old games and, and new games as know we still do <laughs> any of these communities now they compare i think somehow we were in the conversation of final fantasy tactics and we were going back and forth about how final fantasy tactics was good uh what made it special over newer games and there was this older dude that was just sitting next to us uh who was just listening to what we were saying and he looks at us as this, and he goes like i have no idea what the hell you guys are talking about <laughs> i i don't i don't play video games but uh, I can tell you're talking about video games and I know nothing about them, but you guys have like pretty good analytics and you guys have good discussions. Have you ever thought about making something out of this or something like that? And you're like, yeah, whatever. And at this time, I just discovered podcasts. I was right. listening to, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you know, like Pat Contry and the Completely Unnecessary podcast. Um, that was one of the podcasts I was listening to a lot. Back then. And so I ask Shane after some time, I was like, hey, how about let's do a podcast? And we'll just sit down, we'll talk about news stories, and we'll do that. He's like, I think he was the one who was like, well, we need a central topic. Let's not just do news. Let's do something unique because a lot of podcasts at the time were just doing news, like right. modern, modern events, current events, stuff like that. So we came up with this concept at that time that we would do a news story section, and then we get to our main section, just like the meat of the discussion and to really fill it out. And so every single Friday, I, I'd go over to his house and we'd hang out, we'd play games, and I'd bring some craft beer, maybe from the local store or maybe from brewers with like growlers or something like that we drink. And that's where that name really comes from, it's Retro Hangover, because we'd always be smashed while talking about games. Uh, it also is like has this hangover of the, you know, playing retro gaming and yada, right. yada, yada, you know. But um, so we, we set up a table in what, what was his office, and we just put this, uh, what is it, the uh, uh, blue ice in the center of the table and hook it up to a computer and we just talk. And I have no idea how these old episodes sound. They probably sound horrific, but <laughs> that's, that's how we did it. And Shane handled all the editing and Shane handled all the posting and everything like that. And that's why even to this day, you know, he's introduced as the host or I'm introduced as the co-host because right. he, he really did a lot of the, the, the technical stuff and really getting the show off the ground. It was really... Shane's baby, uh, for the most part. I was just kind of the the, the, the color commentary, so to speak, uh, and just like the, the good idea fairy, for the most part. But um, 
that's where it started. It started in 2015. That that is the origins of it, and it, it went through its progressions. I had to go away for two years, and that's that's when I came back. And I came back in 2018. I thought the show was dead. Right. I, I think I put out in 2016. I think we put out on Twitter in 2016 that we have to go away for a while and that was always it was already pretty rocky because i got promoted in my job and one of the promotions one of the stipulations that came with that promotions i had to stop essentially having a life for about two months and that that caused rocky roads in the the podcast and then it i had to leave overseas and of course i was 12 hours no seven hours ahead then i became 12 hours ahead and i was like yeah this is this is never going to happen again so i came back in 2018 and Shane's like, hey, do you, do you want to record again? Because I, I kind of like editing. I kind of like doing all these things for the podcast. It's something that provides me with with some satisfaction. I'm like, uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, but we got to change up this format. And that's when we changed up the format to to be more focused on the game. We dropped the, the new segments entirely. And I, I don't want to speak for Shane because where he got his inspiration from, I think he said something about Giant Bomb. But, okay. uh, the giant bombcast. But I haven't listened to the giant bombcast. But um, if he says that's where you guys' inspiration, or maybe I'm just misremem- misremembering and just filling in gaps that make sense to me, that's that's where I think we got some ideas for our current format. I'm not sure the, the totality of it. I think we're doing something not entirely unique, but not you know entirely uh, derivative either. And that's that's what I'm kind of happy about. But yeah, that's where it started again in 2018, and then we've just continued to tweak the format over and over and over again, and until we got the the product that we have today and there you go i guess that's a long-winded long-winded origin story but there you have it no it's always fun to me but i find the to me it's like a rarity to see like oh yeah we started during the pandemic is normally the tale is you know oldest time for most people starting their podcast because it seemed yeah. like that was like maybe the hobby like the go-to thing because you know it was everybody had to get microphones and you know webcam and all that fun stuff and mm-hmm. i'm sure somebody understands how to you know edit audio it's not the hardest thing to edit in the world mm-hmm. oh i i still i did not know how to edit audio i think in 2020 yet i think i was still just figuring it out i i don't know really how to do much editing i mean once you teach me like i'll i'll pick it up real quick but right if, if you're like hey just edit this audio just record it or hey just do this video i'm like i have no idea what i'm doing and this I, i'm going to i'm just gonna fuck this up and <laughs> Somehow, I've over the years, I've learned how to edit audio. Shane really got me in that ball rolling. Uh, right. He did it before, and then it got to the point like, hey, I want to do some side content because if we're going to do some, some Patreon stuff, I want to be able to, to handle this on my own and be able to do some things that I want to do and just be, be more creative with my own stuff. And so just learning, learning how to edit audio. And I, I recommend anyone who's even interested in doing podcasting to, to do that, especially if you have a partner you want to do it with if you have someone else you want to do your podcast with and bounce stuff off of uh you want to make sure that both of them know how to both you and the people you're doing the podcast with know how to edit that way if anyone has to go down has to be gone for a prolonged period of time just doesn't have the time to do it because editing is time consuming if you want to do it right yes uh and just having multiple resources and multiple capabilities and facets enabled to do that just it, it really expands your capabilities and in how you get your content to to your listeners or, or consumers of that content. So right now on our show, uh, we have a we have like a full time editor of sorts with with Ashton, and he does a fantastic job. He does all the he does all the main shows that you listen to, and then the flight Shane edits those. 
and then a lot of the patreon content that's that's what i edit but also some of the patreon content like with, with the king of games we have some other content creators and also they they do some editing duties so it's not all one person's burden and so just being able to pass it around i think really eases it up and makes sure that more content can can get out to people the, the way we want it to as opposed to really just slamming people and just taking up all their time. I think it really frees up other people's time and therefore more opportunities. Right. So like for us, all three of us know how to edit. And usually, so we rotate who picks the game. So if I pick the game we were playing, I'm going to edit that episode. That's the way it normally goes. But if I need one of them to pick up the edit, they can go grab it. Oh, absolutely. That, that's, that makes, that's how it's, it's got to work. Yeah, that makes it so much better. Speaking of your flights, you're going to transmission us into this a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, I told you I brought something with me. Well, a couple things. Okay. I have five games sitting to my left. Now, these are my top five that I own NES games. Okay. Your job is to put them in your top five for what I think are my top five that I actually own. Okay. So, how you would how you would rate these. Okay. All right. We may be doing this more than once. You'll see. So, first one, I'm not giving them to you in what is my order, by the way. I just want to know where you would put these in a blind tier list, right? Okay. Do I got to get a pen? Do I need to start writing these down? I might not. Uh, sure. Let, we could do let, me make, let me make some notes while, while we go along here. <laughs> I really like the idea of this. I got a, here, I got a pen and paper. So. Okay. All right. So, the NES list. Ready? Yeah. First game I'm going to hold up. We have the gold copy, though. But it's okay. The Legend of Zelda, the second one, though. So, All right. The Adventure of Link, Zelda 2. Okay. If you were putting this on a blind tier list, one through five, where do you put it? I actually think it's underrated. So, but it's, it's, it has a certain taste. A blind tier list, I put it at three without knowing the other four. I put it at three. Zelda 2. Nice. I now I kind of wish you and Shane were here to make y'all agree on where these go. That'd be really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The second one I'm going to pull up is the original Metroid. Oh. If this is my list, that's five. That's five? That's number five. Why does that go in number five? I don't I don't think it's aged fantastically well. I think there's a lot of issues with it. I think that it's way too cryptic. And I understand why it was, because you needed to get the length out of the out of gamers back then. And... If you made some of the ways that you would do things more obvious, they would have gotten done a lot quicker, especially when you're paying you know, $40, $50 in 1988 money. So <laughs> uh, that, that thing has to be considered. Uh, but when, when, you hi when you're hiding entrances and exits and pathways that are mandatory, that you, you have to essentially bomb every single corner of a map in order to figure out where to go, I, I'm not going to say it's bad game design because the game design was to get people to play longer, but it's something that doesn't really hold up today and it's not something I want to play. I do think, like, I have the Famicom Disk System version of that. The artwork is fantastic. It's right. something I, I'd love to have. I love the fact that you could save your game on that, too, as opposed to having a password system, which is also, if I'm playing this on the NES, I don't want to use a fucking password system, man. I need that save feature, uh, which Metroid does not have. So uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, get fucked, Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, third game. Paperboy. Oh, I love Paperboy. Uh, I love Paperboy, but it's very repetitive. Mm. It's very repetitive. And I don't know what your other two games are, so I'm going to put that as as four. That might that might have been a good call. So, the next one. This is my favorite fighting game. 
of all time. Like I mean, fighting yes. games, fighting games have not evolved fastest, at least as far as the way I play them. Okay. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Oh, Punch Out is fantastic. <laughs> Punch Out is fantastic. I, I think you're gonna throw a wild card at me here for number one. I don't know I, for the next one. I, I don't know what you're gonna. I don't know what you're gonna pick here. So I'm gonna be very, very hesitant. I love Punch Out. I love it. Um, I'm gonna put Punch Out number one. Punch All Out's right. number one. What do you think the last one I have here is on my desk? Now I don't have like a like a bill level, you know, for gaming collecting. I don't have like right. that kind of thing. I've right, gone right, and right. picked. My collection is very selective. I don't want everything. I just want the games that I really like for that system. So I'm I'm scared here because I I have a feeling you might pull out Mario Brothers three, <laughs> and I am a well known Mario Brothers three hater. Uh, it's it's pretty documented. I mean, it's not like overwhelming hate. Uh, but that's why I think I put Punch Out at number one because if you pull out Mario three, I'm looking at this list. I mean, Mario three would still be my number two. Um, the, the, my problems with it at all. So my guess is you're gonna pull that out. How wrong you are. Oh, thank the God. original Legend. Of oh, Zelda. that's even worse. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> That hurts. Um, I can't put that at number two. two. I can't put that at number two. Look, I've wrote, I've written it in pen. It has to go there. Oh, oh, I hate you. Uh. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, it has to go there. It has. I guess it has to go to number two. Yeah, because that's the only spot left. But that and I wrote it in pen. You know, can't erase it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a raceful pen. <laughs> there's whiteout. <laughs> I'll tell you, I almost grabbed Mario 3 when I was looking at the shelf, by the way. And I was, I was sat here like, mm. oh, I should have grabbed it. <laughs> oh, that, that hurt. You, know, I, you, I don't, mean, you don't like it, the first Zelda? No. No. I don't. Uh, for a lot of the same reasons, I don't like Metroid. I think okay. it's a little bit better than Metroid. Like, I'd rather play Zelda than Metroid. But there's just something about the original uh, Legend of Zelda that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I, like, we discussed that at length in our episode about Zelda. Uh, I, I I hate to say age. That doesn't age very well. Because yeah. there are a lot of games of that era that I that I do enjoy. Um, they have Chris, similar could you give notes. me one second? My mom's calling me. Yeah, sure. Do it a month. Legend of Zelda slander. That okay. I was having to listen to. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know where I left off here, but... Um, how do I put this in terms of in terms of aging? I, I don't. I I can see why a lot of people liked it, but it. When, sometimes I I listen, and maybe it's more the hatred around it. But I I just don't. Just so much I don't like about the game in general, uh, the way it controls, the way you attack, the uh, the the way that like you progressively find items, the way that essentially like you're lost the entire time, and I don't feel like you could beat it without a guide. Right. If, unless you unless you know exactly what to do, exactly where to go, it's it's not a game you can necessarily play. A lot of games, especially within the role playing or role playing adjacent genre from that time, have similar issues. And it's not so much like again, this is this is it's somewhat similar to Mario Three. It's not like an outright hatred of a game. It's not like I'm just sitting here and saying it's bad. What I'm saying is, is that it had its time and place, and that time and place has passed it by. Especially when I think there's better options from that era 
that that do what that game was trying to accomplish better. And a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, but it was the first. I'm like, oh, but it wasn't because you had a lot of games that were released before that were in the same vein. Now, Zelda, I'll give it all the credit in the world. I think it's very similar to what Dragon Quest did in taking ideas that existed in, in other corners of that genre and making them very digestible for a general um, for, for, for more of a mainstream consumption. Right. And so like you like if you want to go back and look at Hydlide or you want to go back and look at uh, Xanadu or Dragon Slayer, Xanadu 2 or uh, uh, I think it's called a uh, Romantica or something like that. It's another Falcom game. Falcom game. And you look at a lot of the, the sources you got from that, even Adventure on the Atari. Um, Zelda is an evolution of that, but it's also a much easier type of game than those and much more for your your casual player. And I think that's that's the brilliance of Nintendo overall, is it takes ideas that are out there that are, that are patently difficult and it made them more for the, the console as opposed to an arcade experience. Zelda is a unique console experience which i do think i don't think we take for granted i don't think anyone really takes that for granted but it i think it's it's really needs to be stated it cannot be overstated that that's what makes it so important is that that is a console game that's not a game you're playing in the arcades right. no and, and in 1987 which i think is when the famicom disk system came out that's when that game came out that was a big 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 deal because the, the appeal of most consoles was the arcade experience at home, and this was that next step. That's that's fantastic, because that's something that PCs were doing, but it wasn't something that consoles were necessarily doing. And PCs could do it, of course, because they had they had uh, save backup. And that you know Zelda having that save backup, because it was on a floppy disk, or in the United States had a battery, right. then that, that allowed people to think outside the box when it came to the NES. There we go. Now, don't worry. I've only got a few more of these. Okay. tucked away here sweet and again you know they're being written in pen so we just can't change it okay i'm looking so, forward to them <laughs> it should be entertaining now we've kind of talked a bit beforehand about this but uh hardest part of podcasting you think it's the editing process over everything no editing is tedious it's yeah. not it's not hard it's just it's it can be boring, it can be draining, but it's not difficult. You just have to, it's a mental battle that you just got to get through and recognize, hey, I mean, this is this is part of the process. Uh, the most difficult part of podcasting, I would say, I mean, it depends on what you do. So, like, if you're if you're just a solo podcaster, your, your difficulties are going to be different. But because we have guests on and I've, I've seen other podcasts, know i've had other projects where it involves a lot of other content creators the most difficult part is making sure that everyone is on the same same wavelength and scheduling scheduling can be a massive pain in the ass especially nowadays because when this when this started out uh i mean it was just me and shane so scheduling is never a problem like when are you available i'm you know I'm available this time. But even that can become a pain, especially if you're trying to do a weekly or bi-weekly podcast. Right. Someone wants to take some time off. Someone wants to do so-and-so. And then people are like, oh, just take time off. But like, you, you want to be consist consistent in the product that you're delivering. You want to make sure that there's at least something in that slot or else you might have people forget about you or just skip over you and look for somebody else. You, you want to maintain your listeners. You want to make sure that your listeners have that product for them to listen to, right? Because your listeners care about you. 
I believe in trying to return that favor, and I think Shane is very of this, very much of the same mindset. Um, so even then, like scheduling between two adults is hard enough, but then when you're yes. trying to schedule between other adults, especially the f the further and further away we have gotten from COVID, the more and more difficult it has become because. Back in 2020, scheduling a bunch of adults at the same time, 2020, 2021, even early 2022 for the most part, because there's a lot more people working from home. Uh, there was a lot less people like going out and about or really having a life or going to events or concerts or whatever. So you could be, hey, let's all like record at this time. And for the most part, you get 90% of the time ever be like, yeah, that sounds good. As long as it's manageable, it's after working hours from their maybe work at home or whatever the case might be. Um, because for some reason, a lot of these podcasters are run into, they don't, I mean, they all work, but most of them aren't like going to an office or something. They can work from a laptop. I don't know. It's just completely coincidental. But um, that's that's the kind of community we, I feel like we kind of have. So scheduling, that was pretty easy. But now that we've moved away from that a couple years later, and now you see that the world has, has kind of gone back to what it was prior to 2020. People are in the office more. People are trying to go out and about and do things again. Like right. they're, they're, they're going to events or they're filling their weekends with things to do or they're hanging out with friends during the week. Maybe they have like a D&D &D night or something like that. I don't know. But like these are scheduling these things is becoming a lot more difficult, especially people who have families. And a lot more people are getting families now because um, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of people expanding or 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 establishing families with kids and stuff like that. And once you have kids in the equation, especially very, very young kids, yes, like your, your time is just, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So scheduling, scheduling a bunch of adults is, is one of the, is probably the most difficult thing in, in podcasting. Uh, because even when you think you have a date, there's always, there's always that one time where someone's going to be like, Oh, by the way, uh, this happened. I got a bail and it'll be like 24 hours before that happens. And you just got to turn around. You got to be like, okay, shit, I got to, figure out a, a new date I, I i really wanted this to come out at this time but now i gotta push it back and delay it and and rethink the way i want to get these things out and it's not always gonna be in your time so i would say yeah that's that's the hardest thing number two uh as, as an honorable mention here is marketing mostly because i hate marketing i hate i'm an introvert so i hate putting myself out there i know i'm, I'm a podcaster you, you hate putting yourself <laughs> out there uh yeah mostly because i hate social media uh, <laughs> uh I'm, I'm afraid of like if someone doesn't like the product and, and coming up to me and saying, Hey, your product is shit. And that's part of the game, especially if you want to eventually have a lot of people listening to you. Some people are not going to like your stuff at some point. And right. Some of those people are going to let you know that in, in the most impolite terms. So you have to be ready for that. Uh, we haven't gotten much of that, if any, but uh, that, that is something that always really prevents me from trying to get the show out there uh, because you, you never know when you're going to make that misstep. And all of a sudden you've, you've lost all traction. Uh, and, and, and erased it. Now, is that could that happen? I have no idea. Maybe I'm just being too critical about it. But uh, like, social media is a, a horrible place. So I I don't want to find out really. Well, Chris, let's let's go maybe a little something a little positive here. What is your favorite boss music in any game? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Dancing Mad, right? From Final Fantasy VI. Ooh, that's a good choice. That's it's, a it's, it's a very it's a cliched one but it's it's true uh that it's an epic theme it's so epic i the fact that they got that on the super nintendo is is amazing it's yes it's such a good song yes i had somebody send this to me when you're talking about uh a while back talking about boss fights and everything like boss mm -hmm. music itself because one of the ones i always go to back is uh in dark souls dancer of the boreal valley 
mm-hmm. is one of my favorites just because the time signature is just not a standard one. It's in like a 3-5. It's a very off time signature, and I oh, just wow. think it's beautiful. Oh, what boss is that for? Is that the first one? Uh, Dance with the Royal Valley? Mm-hmm. No, that is uh, later in the Cathedral in Dark Souls 3. Okay, I've not played that. Yes. Well, it, it'll, it'll be 10 years old soon, and then... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how Shane got me to play the first one, because I, I swore <laughs> I would not play Dark Souls. I'm like, I'm not playing that shit. Get me away. And he's like, it's 10 years old now, and people listen to it. Like, oh, no. And, you know, for, for our... For, for our standards, yeah, a lot of people have listened to the Dark Souls episode, so I guess yeah. that worked out. Excellent. Are you ready for this next flight that I have here on my desk? Let's do it. All right. This is going to be SNES titles. Oh, sweet. One of these, I would put money that you've never played. Okay. All right. We're going to start pretty easy, though, I think, for this top five. Okay. Mega Man X. <laughs> oh, I want to put it at one. I want to put it at one. There are very few games I, I think I could put above unless you start throwing up RPGs. Oh, and you know what? People are going to probably let me. I, now I need to look up the, what, what I said in my top five list in my flight. <laughs> I don't I, because like I, I don't want to go against myself here. Where did I, where did I put it? Where did I put it? Uh, so I'm not going to have you catch me. I'm not going to have you catch me <laughs> on this. You say that now. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, future future Chris is in trouble. Um, Actually, right now, I would I would put on there that I have two on here that I don't think you've played. Okay. I would put two on here. One, I'm very positive. Okay, I don't think you have one of them. I think you might have the other. I, I don't know, because uh, some people always want both of them. For the, so the five you're going to show me, I'm going to be very, very <laughs> optimistic. I'm going to put Mega Man X at one. I'm just going to put it at one. Putting it at one. problem you ready for this next one let's go this is one of the two that i think you don't have or you've never played i have this one mainly because of the collecting purposes and everything of it but it's the legend of zelda bs edition i've heard of it which is the tele version yeah yeah Um, which i think is because mainly you know it's just linked to the past really yeah but it was with the online capability so i think it's an important piece of gaming history to own it was essentially a remade version of the original legend of zelda wasn't it Yes. Yeah. But in like um, the um, the Link to the Past like aesthetic, essentially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also a noted Link to the Past hater. Um, it's not that I think it's bad. I just don't understand what's so special about it. Uh, but because this is Super Nintendo, and I think that you're going to throw up four games I'm going to like more than it, this is no shade towards PS Zelda. I think it is an important piece of gaming history. I would love to see Nintendo port it onto other systems. I think I'd probably enjoy it, to be honest with you. But just because I haven't played it... And I, I am a notorious Zelda hater. I have a reputation I need to uphold. I'm going to put the Legend of Zelda uh, BS edition, BS Zelda, as number five. And I don't care if you think that's BS. <laughs> now, here's something for you, Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. You ever heard of the YouTube channel, popular Let's Players, called the Game Grumps? Yes, I've heard of that. This is the other one I don't think you have. Okay. But this is Game Grumps Dream Course. Which oh. is Kirby Dream Course, but reskinned for them. This is an actual cartridge that works, by the way. Well, I have played Kirby's Dream Course. I have not played Game Grumps. It and... works the exact same way. It is a copy skin of it. Okay. Uh, Kirby's Dream Course, it's an alright game. It takes a little while to understand. Um, You regretting that number five spot right now? <laughs> I'm at the... No- I mean, I... I... 
yeah, yeah, I'm regretting number five. I think I'd rather <laughs> play Zelda over over Dream Course, to be honest with you. Uh, because of that, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide it into number four. I'm gonna slide All it right. number four. If you had to just think about this, what do you think the last two are? Super Mario World and Super Mario All Stars. Both wrong. Okay, good. All right, ready? Yeah, let's do it. Earthbound. <sighs> because I don't know what this, the next game we're going to put up. And I like Earthbound, but I'm not as high on it as other people are. I really do like it, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not I'm not super about it. But I would recommend anyone play the game. I think it's a very special experience. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that as uh, the number three. I hate to tell you this, Chris, but you've done it to yourself again. I've probably done it to myself. You have. You've done it to yourself again. Here at the number two spot. Ready? It's a link to the past. It is a link to the past. (laughs) Earthbound should be above link to the past. This is this is the this is the consequences of my actions. Earthbound Earthbound would be number my number two. You're gonna have to send me some whiteouts so I can go and alter your list for you, right? (laughs) I mean, still, I mean, link to the past would be my number three out of the other two. Just just saying. Even though I'm not a big Link to the Past fan. Well, while I have you under pressure, I'd like Mm. to keep you that way. So, is there any indie podcast you'd like to give a little shout-out to? Oh, so many. (laughs) So, 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 so many. Um, I know I was just listening to uh, Chris Nelson from A Novel Console. Mm -hmm. He he was listing off all these indie podcasts and all the stuff they do, and I would would recommend every single one that, that he did. Uh, so be sure to check out that. I, I would just be repeating it, but I, I will repeat it. So go check out Pixel Project Radio with Rick. And just a, a shameless plug, if I if I could, go check out the Final Fantasy VI series because I had a lot of fun recording that, and apparently a lot of other people enjoyed it. And if you don't, well, that's fine. You only have to listen. Well, don't you don't have to listen to anyone really? But uh, I enjoyed being part of that, and overall, I think the show is fantastic. It's really really well done. Tales from the Backlog with Dave Jackson is another great show. Uh, a lot of people are seeming to think so. That that show appears to be growing like wildfire. So yes. uh, definitely go check that out. Um, what else do I got? Uh, the Main Quest with with Keith Gasper. Uh, you know Keith's Keith's a good friend of the show, and his his show is also like every single year just improves in quality. He's uh, he's a great dude, and he has put us puts out some great content. Uh, great content. I'd say the unlockables. Just go back and listen to the unlockables. I'm not sure if the unlockables is is even a show anymore. I I, I think he kind of put that out on 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 shitter is what I call it. Uh, that <laughs> that uh like like after his guiding keys is done, it's it's over. And I think that you should go if you're interested at all in Kingdom Hearts. That's the that's the place to go, and especially his interviews with everyone he he did before he started doing the Kingdom Hearts stuff. Those are really illuminating interviews. And uh, long long live Unlockables. Um, who else do I got? Uh, no, I do have more people. <laughs> um, if I don't say them, but I know some people are going to kill me. Uh, the good ba- the good the bad and the backlog. They're our Australian friends, our counterparts. We work so much with them, especially Adam. He's he's a gem. He's uh, entirely inappropriate, and in the best sort of ways. You will learn all sorts of things about Adam uh, when when you hear him speak, and you will wonder uh, why didn't you know about the Hanky Game prior to listening to some of their episodes. And if you don't know what that is, 
maybe, you know, you should go listen to that episode. I think uh, a Day's Gone is where he talks about the hanky game. Let's go learn okay. about the hanky game. Uh, Secret Levels podcast. Uh, that's one of the podcasts I've been hanging out with the most when I started interacting with podcasts, like, kind of really hardcore back in 2019. They're the first ones I really hitched my wagon to. I think they're the first podcast I ever became a patron of. So uh, go go check them out. They have a really good show, a really good structure. They're very entertaining. Um, still loading podcasts with Josh Coble. Some of the guests he gets, some of the interviews he does. That's that's next level, next tier. I think he's on to doing something really good. Well, something uh, for you on Monday yeah. after we record this. Uh, that's his episode uh, between two pods. Outstanding. I'm looking yeah. forward to that as well because <laughs> I mean he he definitely deserves it. He's he puts his foot out there and he he really takes some risks on on some of the things that he records and probably the people he asks and he delivers. So, mm-hmm. so good for him. And. Uh, through my list here um garbage day with with b ross super garbage day uh, i just found this one he's he's doing some fantastic stuff and just other friends of the show uh they're one's just starting out retrotopia those are friends of the show they're, they're doing some good stuff with uh with captain n and storm beagle as we know them in our community uh sam and brian go check them out uh other friends of the show of course we got um so Matt, aka Stormageddon, they have a they have a great collection of podcasts. Uh, I wish I could list them off from the top of my head because they have so many of them. And uh, what can I say? Um, see, I don't want to spend here all day shouting people out. <laughs> it's all um, good. I'll deviate away from video games a little bit with Treehouse Anime Club. Uh, they right. they do some really good stuff. Talks about the production of anime. Doesn't really go over you know every single episode in the anime series. And a list off podcast list off uh they they were gone for a bit they made lists they came back and there's more of a casual discussion and they're they're a really good time and those are the ones i think that people should check out if they haven't but the smaller ones oh one more is retro wars retro wars i i constantly show up on that so that is more of like a like a secondary podcast of mine so yeah take that with a grain of salt but uh retro wars hosted by danny carroll um he, he's trying to emulate i won't say trying to emulate i think that kind of i don't want to put a show down like that or 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 kind of make it sound like he's just trying to copy it but he he took the framework of remember the game which i think a lot of people listening to this would probably understand because that's just a big gaming podcast right now and he tried to put his own spin on it in terms of the british australian kind of way of doing it and i think he's he's coming up with some really good success and i'm happy to be somewhat of a regular guest on that show so yeah go check out retro wars very very cool so you know obviously i'll talk about a lot of retro games um what was your first video game I, I don't know. I know it's one of two games. Or maybe, let's say, like, maybe first, like, big, you know, memory, right? Yeah. That's the way I always like to say maybe that was your first game. Like, you know, obviously, I can remember playing, like, at an arcade machine, not knowing what I'm doing, playing Galaxia or Pac-Man, really. Right. But... Right. Uh, well, that's that's kind of the course I'm going down here. Because I don't know if I played video games prior to getting the console, because I don't know what inspired my dad to get me an NES. And I think right. it was Christmas of 1989. I'm pretty sure it was 1989 because my brother was born in 1990 and I don't remember my brother being born yet. But then there's some there's some release date I've looked up from the other game that was on there that says the game was not available yet, but we all know Street Date was broken constantly back in right. the... Even up until like the mid-90s, like Street Date was broken. But um, my dad got me uh, NES console 1989. It was the, the one with the gun that came with Mario Duck Hunt. Yes. And uh, the, the other game that came with it was Double Dragon 2. Okay. And... So I don't know if I played Super Mario Brothers first. I'm pretty sure I didn't play Duck Hunt first. 
I'm pretty certain about that. Right. Uh, but it's either Super Mario Brothers or Double Dragon 2. And I have a feeling it may have been Double Dragon 2 because I remember getting that under the, the, the tree. It came in its own special package. I thought it was a VHS tape. And if you're listening to this, you don't know what a VHS tape is, kids. It, it's not really important. You don't need those. But we, we that's what I thought it was. So because I was so enamored by it, because I like the box art, that could have been the one I played first. But it just as easily could have been Super Mario Brothers. Uh, it's, it's all foggy, but that's that's where the, the great love for this media existed. Awesome. So if you were going to podcast about something completely unrelated to what y'all talk about now what would your topic be so i almost 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 started a podcast with friend of the show ozzy ozzy garcia he runs our rh review crew in our in our discord server we we almost did a podcast about politics and i am so happy we didn't (laughs) but uh uh, because like I think that's like that's one of the things I like to look into. I like to see what's going on in in you know the United States and how people are commenting on things culturally. I try to get as many perspectives as possible, and that's that's how I like to discuss about it. And I think that you know that's what me and Ozzy Garcia were talking about behind the scenes that we were going to do it. But then I thought about it, and I was like, you know, like because I have this video game podcast, I just want to keep it as politically neutral as possible because right. politics are if you're if you're trying. In my, this is all my opinion, of course, but if you're trying to, you know, develop a community that just wants to talk about video games, when you start kind of wading in the grounds of, of politics, especially today, and pretty much of every time, every time in human history, if you start talking about politics, but especially today, since it's such a flashpoint, uh, things can get incredibly toxic incredibly fast because right. you know people, if you're arguing in good faith, there's always someone who's not going to be. There's right. always going to be somebody who's going to try and make sure that their point gets across and you need to shut up and you're wrong or you're stupid or whatever. And as soon as you start espousing any political views, you automatically get assumed that you're going to think something about something or you think something because you're a dumb something. And like, I'm so that's why I'm happy. Like I, I didn't go down that route, but if I was going to do it, if I did not have a podcast about video games, it probably would be politics. And again, I, I don't know if that's really the realm I want to step into, but, uh, for the reasons already listed but um i mean that's that that's my interest uh i I did graduate from college in 2020 in in political science so you know that that was something i was well enough versed in that i think i could at least have a conversation maybe not the best maybe not the most informed but a conversation and and that's that's probably what i would do all right very cool chris i got well, four questions and one last flight. What would you like to do first? Would you like another question, or do you want to knock this uh, last flight out the ballpark? Well, let's do a flight. Let's do a flight. Uh, I like these. Want to these are fun. <laughs> I should have prepped more. I could have gotten more off the shelf. Uh, <laughs> this time, we're hitting you up with the N64. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. Now, I'm. are you a are you an N64 supporter, or are you a hater of it? Hater. But I recognize it has good games. Thank you. Um, so I recognize that that is an innovative time yeah. for like game development and getting 3D really kind of nailed. If that makes sense, that makes sense. Yeah, 100. But, th- but they're not perfect games on there whatsoever, and it's a lot of you know nostalgia goggles when people talk about these. Oh, oh yeah. Now, now here, here's another thing. I am a I am a defender of the controller. I am. Oh, really? I will not sit here and call that thing a horrible controller. Anyone, I I think when anyone says that, it's because they did not grow up with it. Or they're over embellishing 
what they they felt when they played it. They're like, oh, how do I hold this? It's simple. If you have three prongs, you put your hand on the prong where it needs to go. Yeah. The right hand doesn't change. You just switch it up depending on what you're playing. This isn't this isn't science rockets, okay? <laughs> I understand maybe the analog stick was a little confusing for you when you were seven because it was new. Right. But everyone else figured it out except for your boomer parents, and they weren't playing it. So I need you to settle down and recognize that that was the best thing Nintendo could do because no one else had done it at that point. Stop it. Find yeah. controller. And guess what? There's so many games that unless you play it with the original N64 controller, you're not getting the real experience. I could not play Star Fox 64 with I got this like Hori tribute or no, I was trying to play it on the Wii U. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't. I, I can't do it. Right. I actually have like a 64 controller, but it's laid out like the GameCube controller. So it's all the buttons and everything still on their respective sides. Yeah. So the joystick's still in the middle. It just doesn't have that prong sticking out of there. Yeah. Well, the other the other important thing is the Z button position. Yes. Because games were designed with you playing the, the game with that layout in mind. Right. So I was playing a game earlier today. It's for an upcoming episode, which should already be out in 1080 uh, by the time this comes out with 1080 snowboarding. And one of the controls is you hold down Z to crouch, and that right. speeds you up. Now, on the Hori Tribute, Z is um, like where R uh, R2 and L2 would be on a modern right. controller. Now, L and R are in the front of it. I hate that. I always like where R1 and L1 are. I, I can't stand that. Like, if I'm going to use my primary buttons as L and R, they're always going to be where the R R2 and L2 are. Right. Especially like, uh, like the triggers. It's just easy for me to press. So if I want to press R, which initiates your trick or whatever the case makes you go open or whatever in 1080, I have to move my slide my finger forward because that's not right. the way that the game was designed. It was designed with that controller in mind. So when I hear, oh, so bad. Well, yeah, that's probably why you think N64 games are horrible, too. And I have my I have my beef with the N64. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And the reason my beef is, is because like when I say the Saturn is better and its library is better as a whole, people be like, well, does it have Zelda the Ocarina of Time? I'm like, no, obviously it doesn't have Zelda the Ocarina of Time. All right. That's fine. But it has for every for every A plus game that's on the N64, the Sega Saturn has 50 B plus games. So let's calm right. down and just realize, like, if I give you the total the totality of the library, which game would you which that which console would you rather have? And of course, you talk to any American is like, well, my childhood, my, my memories. OK, I right. don't care. I, right. I, it's I a lot of up. nostalgia blindness. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. All right. You ready for this list? Now, again, yes, these are the ones I'm picking out as my favorites. But OK, first one up Mario Party 2. Well, it's not the first one that would cause your hand to uh, grow holes in it. Um, so good I, on you. My or biggest problem, I think it was the second one that came that you had to get the glove for. I know a lot of my controllers or my 64 controllers have limp stick at the moment from playing a lot of Mario Party with friends on, you know, nights where they come over and drink too much. Mario Party is a lot of fun, but because it could destroy my controllers and controllers are hard to get. I'm sorry, Mario Party. This is an apology. This is an apology. I understand how fun you can be and how amazing it is to have friends over and enjoying that time. And there's so many memories that can be made and you do not want to forget. But you go to number five. You are not wrecking my controllers. Well, it's going to be a hard thing is the other one. It is Mario Party 3. No! Oh! <laughs> because there's fun. Because fun will be had. Fun will be had. And I think they, they learned their lesson from... from 
drilling holes into the middle of your palm. One of them did. And if right. that's the case, Mario Party 3, because you get four players with that game, that's that's it's, a night of drunk. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because I know there's so many good games. I don't say so many good games, but because like there are good games on the N64 and the good games on the N64 are like really fucking good. I'm right. going to put it at number three. Very cool. You ready for this next one? I'm going to go and knock something out of the way early. We'll see how this works. Let's go. We have Majora's Mask. Because I think you have Mario 64 in there, that's going number two. I love Majora's Mask. You think I have Mario 64 in there? I I don't know. I'm guessing. But you haven't had Mario in the previous ones, so maybe not. But I do love Majora's Mask. I I think it's a highly underrated game. I know it had a spike for a while where it was like, this is the most underrated Zelda game. And then it became, oh, they were all lying. We all hate this game. But I, I played it a couple years back, um, going into it knowing I'm a Zelda hater. And I do not hate Ocarina of Time, by the way. I just think it's, uh, that's another one of those games that going back to it, it's like, I really thought it was the best game of all time for a while. But I went, mm-hmm. back, you know, going back to it, it's like, okay, I kind of see this game's flaws. I understand why um, I probably don't feel that way anymore. But uh, Majora's Mask is so unique. It's so brilliant and it's dark and it's it's dim, but it's like like there's all this hopelessness, but there's like so much light and positivity in that hopelessness. And, you know, I don't feel like I haven't played I haven't played a a Zelda game in a while. So I don't know if that's in Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know if this isn't that Breath of the Wild or or um, what's the one on the Wii that they remade? Oh, Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword. I don't know if it's in any of that, but I just have this feeling like it's it's so it feels so much not like a Zelda game while being everything a Zelda game is. And I think that's why Majora's Mask is is one of the most special N64 games I've played. I would agree. I think it's better than Ocarina of Time myself, but okay. I just like the creativity behind this one. I would agree be because it's it more feels, unique. It, it feels like they established everything they needed to mm-hmm. in Ocarina, right? And then was just they had fun with the second one. I also really prefer the villain who's just literally evil because he can he's like cool i'm gonna smash yeah. the moon into the earth yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck um, everybody <laughs> and i remember um having some conversations with people and like how shenmue was so important for establishing real-time events and how things happen within those events yeah. and how people hate timers but i yeah. think actually that that majora's mask actually does all of that right Yep. Uh, in a time well before a lot of those things became became tropish so they they nailed a lot of these a lot of these ideas out of the park really early. So, yeah, hats off to Majora's Mask, man. Absolutely. I got two more here on the desk. Okay, let's go. I can tell you right now, neither one is Mario 64. Well, damn it. That would have been my yeah. number one. Well, what about Banjo-Kazooie? Never played it. You've never played Banjo-Kazooie? Never. And that's the only reason I'm going to put it at number four, uh, because it started bad collectathon habit. So I'm just going to put it there. <laughs> you know, not, not no. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I don't know if it is a start now. You got me thinking about it. Was it Banjo? Is it Banjo started out? Or was it... Can we blame Metroid for that? No, 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 no. Because we, we can not blame... blame Mario. We can blame Mario 64. <laughs> but the, the one that's really responsible for making it bad is Banjo. And then you have Donkey Kong 64 that just threw it in the overdrive. And it's like, ah, fuck you. Here's collect 5,000 things. Like, no, no. Well, we got the last one, and this is going to be your number one game for the N64. What is it going to be? Pokemon Stadium. <laughs> no one can see this, but Chris is, I think, more annoyed about this than he is the uh, Zelda picks at number two. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You got the one and only Pokemon game that I really, really like sitting at your number one spot. I'll take it. I'm with you all day. Oh, I'm sure you are. Um, what, what can I say about Pokemon Stadium here? I love the concept. Mm-hmm. I love it. It just... That... I remember getting that and being so disappointed because, like, it was so cool. By the way, it's so cool, like, seeing your Pokemon in 3D and, like, putting them in the slot and, like, uploading them to the system and everything. Like, oh, that was so special. And then it's like, I have my party. I'm so happy with it. It's like, well, here's a bunch of 90 level 99 versions that we have on this system. Like, oh, I'm about to get wrecked, aren't I? It's like, yeah, you're about to get wrecked. Yeah. So it's like... The, the coolest thing about that game is is seeing all of the Pokemon in your party come to life, and that is a radical thing to see. Yes. And also being able to play, I think you can play Pokemon on your TV through it, and the N64 yes. did not have a Game Boy adapter. So if if you want to go down that route, I sure, no, I'll make it no, my number one. Got a, you can uh, play Pokemon it on. did have a Game Boy Color adapter for the controller. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's I, I used to bully the other kids in the neighborhood because I had a level 99 Pikachu. Mm-hmm. And I would just wreck shop with that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you never you never evolved Pikachu. You kept. You... No, I, ca- I kept them because that's how he was in the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. A lot of people did that. Yeah. 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 I, I did that. I never evolved Pikachu. It stayed the same. That's how I beat the fourth. That's yeah. That, uh, the mini games, though. That's my favorite part of it, though. Mm hmm. I don't remember the mini games. I don't. But there's the the Clefairy one, which is just like a memory challenge, essentially. You have to like hit all the buttons back correctly in the same order on the controller, and okay. sometimes it would throw out not only the D pad but the C buttons and like hmm. A and B. So you had to use like the whole controller. Oh, that was. Oh, okay. Now I remember. Yeah, the rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was right around the time of the Dance Dance Revolution craze. So they're they're getting into it. Yes. All right. That's our last flight. I'd like okay. to go over this real quick so everybody knows that uh, from the obscure games that I picked off the shelf, Chris's favorite mm. NES games are Punch-Out, mm-hmm. Zelda 1, Zelda 2, Paperboy, and Metroid. Mm. SNES, Mega Man X, Link to the Past, Earthbound, Dream Course, and BS Zelda. And then for the N64, we have Pokemon Stadium, Majora's Mask, Mario Party 3, Banjo-Kazooie, and Mario Party 2. Chris, how I do think you feel that's about those? That's, how, that's how do you feel? <laughs> I, think, I think it's great. It 100% represents all of my feelings about those games. No no deviation. Uh, I should have gotten some PS2 games off the shelf. That's the other thing I should have done. That would have been wild. Yeah. Oh, I, I have such a large stack of them. Hmm. All right. That's, uh, yeah, go ahead. We got four more questions. You ready? I am ready. All right. Let's do this. So if we were going to show off one episode of your podcast, what's the episode you would like everybody to go listen to? I think th- this one's easy and it's a little bit cliche because I've been asked this before, but I think the, the easy one to, to point people to would be the Silent Hill 2 episode Okay. that we did in October of 2021. I think that episode i mean it's not a showcase of what we normally do because we did borrow a page out of tales from the backlog book i don't, I don't know if that was a, we i had already listened to tales from the backlog and, and took from them or if it was 
borrowed, whatever the case might be, or if I just wanted to not have a story discussion that with a lot of plot spoilers in the beginning of it. So we do have like a, a spoiler wall and we get into like theories about what we think is going on in Silent Hill 2. Right. Um, that may have been 2022. I think it's 2022. I said 2021, but it's 2022. Um, so like that episode, I'm, I'm extremely happy to be part of. Uh, I'm proud of it. And uh, Cade Call from Gaming Memories was on there. And any any conversation with Cade is pure chaos, or as I say, chaos. And it's uh, he uh, every single time he's on there is fun. So like we have a we have a good guest with a, with good chemistry, a good discussion about a game that both me and my uh, both me and Shane love. And that's when we really had our formula down. Uh, some of the earlier ones that that I think are good don't really have that formula nailed down as as well as it did by that point. Right. And that's that's something that makes me happy. And that I think that's gotten some of the best reactions from the community as well. I think that's something that a lot of the people who listen to Retro Hangover is one of their favorite episodes. So definitely Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Awesome. Now, what do you think? Because obviously for the way they all discuss games and the chemistry between you and Shane, <laughs> what do you think is like the best genre of games for your podcast? Probably like action RPGs. I think that would be because like you need to have because the story is part of our conversations. Um, and, and like shorter action RPGs we can find them. I think that would be that would be best because you could have a conversation about a story. A lot of these a lot of these games you you don't really have a conversation about the story if they're shorter, like an old NES game, Super Nintendo game, a platformer. There's nothing to really be discussed other than the gameplay itself. Um, and the I think like it either has to be really good or bad, like just a mediocre game. It's it's not going to be the best kind of reaction when it comes to the gameplay because we either can really nitpick the shit out of it, or like we can praise it and say why we, we love it. But if it's just mediocre, like what's there to say? Uh, it plays like every other game. Dur, dur, dur. Uh, so I think like our Dark Souls episode that that came out relatively recently was was a good example of why I think that works. And even though that really went long, like it's almost a three hour episode. Right. <clears throat> again, that was an episode that that we got a lot of positive responses from. Because me, myself and Shane had somewhat different perspectives on it. We had a good guest with Try from My Life in Gaming. And he had his perspectives on it and there was a good contrast, there was a good diversity of views. And like it worked out. And it has it has that story that some people went into the lore about it, could explain it, and someone like me who just looked at it and like, ah, whatever. Uh, we, but we could talk to it, and we could see what those kind of things are. So I think action RPGs or just maybe uh, action games, I think that's, that's best. I think a problem with like an RPG, as much as I love RPGs and I'd love to say RPGs, is that usually they just go on a little too long. And even yeah. in, for a bi-weekly format, um, that could be hard for both of us to make it all the way through it. And very often, I think RPGs, especially ones with good stories, take a while to sit back and reflect on and digest to really understand what, what the game was trying to say. Because they're, they're, they're attempting to be literary pieces of art to an extent. And um, sometimes they're, they're, they're just that surface level. And sometimes they're trying to be more than that. But it does take some time to reflect on it and to, to really figure that out. Uh, in a lot of those cases so yeah that's why i think rpgs would not not be the best and again like the play mechanics themselves they're usually very repetitive so when you're talking about gameplay like 
you have to find things to talk about. It's more it's more forcing that out. Right. And almost every RPG too is like, does it hold up today? Well, yeah, it's an RPG. I mean, it's just it plays like it should, and either it has a good plot or it doesn't, or it has something really broken about it. There's not really real room for discussion. So. Yeah, I'm going to sit at action RPGs or just action games in general, like 3D action games, because I think there's there's a lot more room for discussion and uh, a lot more room for diverse opinions on it. Very cool. Chris, what is your favorite game? Now, if you're like me, that's a rotating list constantly in your head. So whenever I ask this question, whatever that first one that just popped up in your head, we'll say right now that was your favorite. Oh, Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Streets of that's not, that's not the answer I expected. <laughs> uh, Streets of Rage 2 is my favorite game of all time. Okay. It, it's it's very atypical of me. Like, if you see a lot of the things I, I stand up and, and represent a lot mm-hmm. for, it's, like, again, it's typically RPGs, JRPGs, very weird niche J, uh, Japanese type of games, anime type games, or like a lot of anime aesthetic. Like, I'll go there. Metal Gear Solid is another game I, re- I really, really love. Um, but, you know, stuff with involved storylines stuff that's that that like touches emotion stuff like that like I'll, I'll like stand up and be like i love these games but yeah when i'm asked you know what's your favorite game and i say streets of race shoe yeah like like you just said it might take you back a little bit and it's like why yeah i think <laughs> one of the reasons is is uh, first and foremost it has one of the best soundtracks in, in video games ever especially from what yuzo kashiro did with that sound chip it's just it's unworldly that that man is a, is a musical genius. He's he's an outstanding talent, except when he's not. But uh, but when he's when he's on, he's he's like one of the best in the game, if not the best. Uh, the gameplay is yes, it's repetitive because it's a beat 'em up, but it's right. It still harkens back to an era of the arcade experience. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate the arcade experience a lot more because these are bite-sized experiences. I don't need to sit down and get deeply engrossed or involved in a game that's only going to ask me to play it as long as I can tolerate it. And Streets of Rage 2 is is similar to that. And I can sit down and I can beat that game in 45 minutes. So it's not something that is going to take me 20 minutes to beat where I might feel unsatisfied and the game might be too easy. But it's also not going to take me like 10 hours where I'm sometimes thinking to myself like god how much longer is this game because i know exactly how much longer that game is uh i know exactly you know how to approach every single enemy and and how to take them out in in a a specific form and just the satisfaction i get from all that the control is precise the sound design is amazing the graphics just they they give me all the warm and fuzzies and Mm -hmm. again for for sega genesis game it looks absolutely incredible it looks like it could be on the super nintendo without any problems and just it flows so well and when i put all those things together like does it do everything it's supposed to do it does it excel at all those things for me yeah 100 percent. because i could pick up i could pick up streets of rage 2 i could play it and i could be done with it and i can walk away happy just beat that game that day and say man that was a great experience like mega man x is another one that's really really close uh, to having that similar experience because it just I think another thing is I've had so much time over my life to play it that it it just resonates with me the same way that that like a Mega Man X would. Right. Um, you know where everything is, you know how to grab everything, so that that playthrough is always a fun experience because it, it doesn't get boring. And I understand if some people are like, oh this is boring, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like I get that. I get that. But 
it's an arcade game and that's essentially i mean it's not an arcade game it doesn't it's made for the console but right. it's it borrows a lot from that experience and at the same time it has a difficulty that compared to an arcade game is incredibly fair so i i will like stand up for that experience all day i love that game streets of rage 2 is 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 right up there for me even though i, I grew up as a nintendo kid which is weird it took me a long time to get to that. It took me a long, long time to, to, to get to that. But I've had that opinion now for about three or four years. And it hasn't really deviated. So, yeah, there you go. Very cool. Are you ready for your last question? Sure. I'm sure you're going to have some opinions on this. Okay. What is the current thing wrong with AAA games to you? <laughs> the sigh is like the most agreed upon thing when I ask this question, by the way, to every podcaster. <sighs> It always starts with the sigh. The thing is, is is there something wrong with AAA games? Ooh, you don't think so right now. I, the thing is, I don't know. I think oh, that... Ooh, I see what you mean. I think that when I hear is something wrong with AAA games, well, why why do we say that? Who's saying that? Well, uh, it seems like... Well, it seems like it's the modern consensus. Like, I've gotten things like, you know, you hear about... Um, sexual harassment in the office place sure, overworking sure, sure. of hours there's also like a lot of bloat in video games now i don't know if you're caught up with uh the new modern warfare remake remaster whatever right. we're calling it at the moment right where basically it was supposed to be dlc it's got a four hour campaign and 80 dollar price tag yeah and the exact same multiplayer maps as last time um no 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 I, but like I, I look at these things and you can say those examples and those are certainly examples of shortfallings and, and bad things in AAA gaming. Right. Those definitely are. But especially this year, oh, we've had a tremendous a, year for games. It tremendous. Triple A games. It's Resident Evil 4. Is that not a AAA game, the remake? Uh, I believe it is. That's Tears of the Kingdom. That's a AAA game, right? It is. Baldur's Gate 3 has the money and backing of a AAA game. So, Would you call that a double A game? Is that where that one's at now? I guess probably, so. I but that's know. a semantic thing, isn't that's it? That's a semantic thing, but it has a lot of money and it has a big budget behind it and has a big studio publishing it. Right. So, I, I I get that there's a lot of animosity towards certain types of triple A games. There always has been from this segment of of the community, and I I think it's a it's a real sort of. It's a community-based thing. I don't know what I call the community that, that we're in. Uh, I don't know if it's a retro gaming community because there are a lot, of, a lot of retro gamers, but there also aren't. There's a lot of people who play modern games. But what I find from the communities that I'm in is they really make up the minority of the gaming opinions because if there was something wrong with AAA games, if, if there was something failing with them, then we would see a collapse of sales. And I... I, and that's not to say like there aren't things I don't like about it as you already like expressed like I and to add on to that I think that the loot box thing is predatory I think there's a lot of exploitative things that they try to do to make money in these games uh, in order of in, you know DLCs pay to wins something like that how they incentivize that those, those are things I'm not a big fan of but I talk to a lot of I won't say a lot of people but some of the people that I do talk to that do play AAA games you know outside of this community right they they know what they're getting into they they buy the like premium edition like i just bought the 100 dollars edition of call of duty whatever like why would you do that it's like so i can go online and play with my friends duh and it's like for me i i wouldn't do that i i don't want to do that right 
but that is the appeal that is with casual gamers and what is AAA gaming ultimately appealing to casual gamers and if they're happy with it they're going to continue to buy it whether or not I can sit here and stomp and say I don't agree with the business practices it's satisfying them it's making them happy and I'm not going to be one to rain on their parade even though if it doesn't make me happy uh, and it doesn't satisfy me and that's the question like is something really wrong with it I think that there's a lot of people that look at it and they disagree with a lot of things that are going on in the industry but at the same time it's more like we're this is this is us learning how the sausage has been made over the past decade or so this has been going on in the industry forever right. um, i also think that another part of it is a lot of us that are criticizing the triple a industry triple a gaming we grew up with japanese games and the same thing was happening back then i, I i'm i firmly believe in the japanese industry i think that it probably still is but i think that that kind of cultural I don't know, barrier is preventing us from having those same criticisms of Japanese companies like, with, with few exceptions like Konami always gets shit on for good reason and Konami has its own problems but still Konami is extremely profitable outside of the realm of video games that's how they still exist right. they have a huge market cap they're they are doing very very well they don't need video games but I think that there, there are those things that happen in, in Japanese game development but the thing is that at the end of the day is that a lot of these people who are playing these AAA games now didn't grow up with Japanese video games. These are the games they grew up with. They grew up with your, your Call of Duties, your Assassin's Creed's, um, whatever. Insert big name series here. They, that's right. those are the type of games they grew up with. And why? Why do I think that? It's because the gaming didn't really boom until the PlayStation, PlayStation One, like as a mainstream cultural thing. And then with the PS One, what were the big games? that that people got used to like yeah final fantasy 7 is the number two selling game on the playstation but why was that because of the really fancy graphics and movies because jrpgs other outside of final fantasy 7 yes they got a bump but not a huge bump it's not as it's not as prolific as one would think the the big games outside of final fantasy 7 are gran turismo gran turismo 2 tekken 3 tomb raider metal right. gear solid very amero centric themed games and then you get into the PS2 era when you start transitioning into like more high definition type graphics. And yeah, Japanese development is still doing really well. PS2 is selling gangbusters. It's, it's the most, still the most popular system of all time. But you start to see the American game developers really more get into it. Then you get into the Xbox 360 era, PS3 era, and Wii era. And that's when the PC gaming comes up. And that's when you really see American game development come up. And that's when the concept of AAA development really rears its head. So that's been around now for, I mean, like almost 18, 19 years. So you're talking about someone who is just getting into gaming as an eight or nine year old back then is now in their mid to late 20s. So when we say what's wrong with AAA gaming, I think that's from the perspective of someone who, who didn't grow up with what AAA gaming is today. Because the right. people who did, I don't think they have an issue with it. I think all these games are fun. I think they don't see anything wrong with the industry. Much like we didn't see anything wrong with the industry when we were kids. They didn't. It was just what it was. Like, oh, we're going to charge you $60 for a 10-minute video game. We're just going to make it really hard. Right. Like, how is that any different than what's really happening today? And that $60 back then was the equivalent of like $150 now. So uh, there's there's all sorts of bad business practices that happened when we were going on. We were just naive to it and ignorant to it. 
and uh we're kind of looking at people today and being like well why aren't you angry about it well i i they don't care they're they're having fun with it but in terms of what i think is wrong with it like me personally um right. things i would stop is yeah they gotta they gotta have better control over over what's going on in in their house they got to have a better understanding of that and they got to hold people more accountable for it and be more transparent in that if you have a bad workplace environment then deal with the people that are created those env environments like that that has to stop maybe it has stopped maybe it hasn't um the rotation of workers and how they bring them in and then if it's not successful and they fire them they let them go that that that's not good that's not a that's not something that's going to signify long-term success for any company i think that it's it's going to catch up with it one way or another whether or not people who are playing AAA games enjoy them or not as to my previous point but if you keep putting a lot of loaded budgets into video games at some point it's going to be so expensive you're not going to be able to recoup their money and that's why right. i think you're seeing a lot of people get fired right now is because the expectation to develop these 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 mega blockbuster video games and how much money they're expected to pour into it if your return on investment is bad like you got to do something and what's the first thing that's what's the easiest cost-cutting measure for any company it's, it's personnel the employees you know yeah it's, it's personnel um because usually all that other money is tied up in other stuff it's an unfortunate fact of business it sucks um but what i really want to what i would like to see is a lot of those employees I'd like to see them start making their own companies, start making more indie development companies, start bringing that creativity and start being competitors. Uh, this is something I, I often talk about when I look at Activision and people are like, well, look how terrible it is to work at Activision. It wouldn't suck to be a worker at Activision. It's like, I would like to see Activision, like I like to see those workers that hate working at Activision made their own company because it goes back to what Activision started as. Yeah, I was about to say, that's literally how they got founded. Was exactly. They get Atari, right? Yes. So. So I, one of those I, fun ones. Ahead. I mean, and you know, when you think about, and again, kids, there used to be a big piece of paper that showed up at your house. It was called a phone book. It had everybody's in there, and they picked the name Activision because it's actually ahead of Atari in the phone book. And just so you know, no, nobody picked Aardvark, which to me would have been the brilliant <laughs> name. Two A's. <laughs> I'm sure someone did, but they, they didn't make any <laughs> games of note, so. Right. <laughs> it was the albatross of. <laughs> but, uh,. You know, I, I hear that. It's like, I, I wish, I don't know what it's like to be a game developer, so I don't want to like throw it in any shade. I, I don't know what it's like trying to look for a job in that, in that arena. Um, but I, I think that spirit has to return where if you feel like you're being shit on by your, your big mega monolithic corporate video game company that you have to get this feeling that you got to strike out and do your, not like strike out, but strike outwards and right. start creating something brilliant and different, not with a bloated budget. And I think it's possible now more than it ever has been. I think developer tools and the experience that a lot of people expect from indie games, they that bar is so manageable that I think you can do something successful and you can build over time. You can be a special company. It's gonna take hard work and it's gonna take time and they're gonna have the budgets. But like even that we're seeing right now uh, in the Marvel universe, uh, with uh, the MCU there, with the Marvels having the worst opening in the MCU history ever. And you can go back and forth why you think that is. I don't want to really necessarily get into that here. There's, there's a million different ways you can, you can look at that. 
But I mean, when that movie cost like what three hundred million dollars, right? That's and the reason it costs three hundred million dollars is I just think that's the expectation that that studio is putting on movies like that. And so at some point, no, you're not going to get that return. So you have to rethink the way you're creating these products. And I don't think AAA games, as we as we think of them, I don't think they have that mindset yet. And I think with that, there's going to be an adjustment. There's going to be a reckoning at some point because there's no way that they're going to be able to keep this up. It's just impossible. Right. Um, but in order for that to happen, I would like to see more of these smaller indie studios rise to be, I don't know, single A, B studios that are able to compete with AAA because that those kind of studios were were abundant in the 8 and 16-bit era. Right. Uh, they're all over the place, even in, I would say, 32-bit to a lesser extent. And I think that's why so many people are nostalgic for those ages, because you could find those unique experiences. It wasn't dominated by... It was always dominated by some sort of genre. I mean, one way or another, there was always some prevailing one, but there, I think there was enough other options that were also mainstream that people saw, and that would be, that would be great to see again. Um, but in terms of like at a surface level, what's wrong with AAA gaming? I I don't think there's. I mean, technically, nothing at the moment. It has the potential, definitely, to crumble in on itself and implode. But um, uh, I, I hope it goes away because I, I want more <laughs> options. I want games to cost less and and be less bloated. Um, but as long as people keep buying them that's that's not going to happen and as long as people keep buying them i technically can't say that there's a big problem with it right that's a, it's a good it's really more so what you went through maybe not so much the the question's obviously simple and generalized but it's just to get your in you know your thought process out there yeah well chris guess what that's the last question my man let's go we're out of questions. So this is my favorite part of Between Two Pods, where the AMA gets flipped. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? Well, oh, you just said it's the last question. I thought there was another one. So I was like, let's go. <laughs> and I realized, oh, no, that was the last question. Thought you just misspoke. Um, yeah, I guess uh, for you, my question would be, who are you looking most forward to in the future of getting on here for uh, Between Two Pods? Put you on the spot. That's a good question. That's a really good question. There's, um, well, we kind of got opened up to a, um, a bigger thing. We do this thing now called Game Changers on the show, where mm -hmm. we have industry professionals come in and uh, we interview them. We talk about how they got it. We just recently got two prominent uh, voice actors to come in and talk to us for a bit, which is really, really cool. Um, we got Adam L. Hager, who uh, you would probably know as the voice of the, the modern day Prince of Persia games. Okay. He was also in Bravely Default too, which you know that's that's really really cool to get into. Um, the other one I want to make sure I get everybody's names right is uh, Andrew Bo Bowen, who is literally Johnny Cage. Hmm. We had him come in and talk. Um, we I don't know if this will well obviously we record these really far in advance and I don't know where the talking is, but we were going to try to get uh, my favorite game critic to come on to it and talk to him which is uh yahtzee croshaw the guy who's been doing zero punctuation yeah forever. he might that... he might be a little bit more free now <laughs> yeah so the thing you were talking about a little while ago kind of made me think of that so i don't know if you do you know about the meltdown that happened at the escapist magazine i do i'm not so, all about it but i know enough about it 
Yeah, so they basically fired the head editor-in-chief, and now they've gone out and formed their own YouTube channel, and, like, literally in one day of it being out, it hit its 200,000 subscriber bar. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, again, what you basically said you want to see. You know, you're unhappy before you're working, they fired the wrong guy, and then the whole editing team walked out the door. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's 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 what I want to see. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, and that's, they just want to make quality content, not worry about the numbers and you know, everything else, you know, you could figure out the rest of it between uh, Patreon, you know, YouTube, obviously, monetization and stream donations. Right. You could sort out the rest. Yeah, second but, win. Uh, second win. Him. Yes, second win. Yeah, but talking to him, that would be like, I've been watching that show for maybe 10, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. I've read all of his books. I would I would love to get to talk to him. I, I have to sit here and not fangirl. I'd have to be professional. But <laughs> I can't be swooning too much. That'd be the problem. Yeah, um, Yahtzee Crenshaw would, would be great to have on. I yeah. think that getting getting his perspective on games, and the way he talks, the way that he's so smart, and how they he yeah. does his reviews, and so comical. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a great grab. I'd, I'd, I hope it works out. Start sending those floaters. Start getting those feelers. <laughs> Well, they've we've had a couple like back and forth talk. It's a scheduling thing, is what we're trying to sort out. Oh, really? Yeah. So, that's that's amazing. I'm looking forward. I'm I'm hoping that works out for you. <laughs> I do too. I really do. Uh, I guess another thing is, uh, do you have do you have any projects in the works? Anything outside of what you've already mentioned? Do you have do you have anything come down the pipe for for people to see? Well, let's see. So right now we'd be currently in our 2024. Um, I guess so I'm the person to ask if you just want to know what we're going to be playing and what's coming up in the schedule I'm the one to normally ask uh Joey and Tim try to play it uh close to the cards I don't care I will just tell you what we have mm-hmm. so I just pulled up our spreadsheet but I'm, I don't know I'm really excited uh finally gonna have some time to sit down and play dredge I've okay. heard so many lovely things I uh I recently got the OLED steam deck it just showed up at my house so I'm like hooray I can now you know, take my games wherever I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff I don't want to talk about. Not like games that uh, I can't say what they are, but like, uh, have you played Vampire Survivors? Are you aware of this? Yes. Yes. Great oh. game. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't, as a, as a review standpoint, what do I talk about? My thumbstick or how my eyes glazed over after a while? What I mean, if, what there's if... a variety <laughs> of ways to talk about it. No, 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 no. Here's the thing about Vampire Survivors. First of all, I feel where you're coming from because... Yeah. Um, when I first played that game, like first played it, I'm like, this is why? Like, yeah. What's the big deal here? And then just over time, it'd be like, I have nothing to do right now. Let me just fire up vampire survivors. And then like three hours later, I'd be like, <laughs> what, what happens? Like, <laughs> like, I just thought I was going to play this for 30 minutes and get out of my life. Um, and I would just be stuck playing it. So if, like, it's one of those games that, I don't want to like, but at some point I have to admit I love it. Right. I, um, see, I think what it comes from is like, I'm not a mobile gamer, mm-hmm. like, period. I just don't, because oh, my, my phone to me is work. Like, when I look at that thing, I think of my job. Like, so no, I don't play games on it, but I played it up here on my Xbox, and I'm like, this is it. I remember I got like 20 something minutes into a round with like really no upgrades. I just kept walking up. Mm hmm. And was just doing fine, but stuff like that. Uh, later in the year, they want to play Hollow Knight, which we always try to pick long games for the. Uh, you know, we figure out our schedule like the whole year will already be plotted out. 
probably like in the next week. So we always try to put longer format games at the end of the year. This way you got more time to play it. Hollow Knight's supposed to be a really difficult one, so I hope you like hard games. I do. I, I quite... Okay. Do you... Are, so, like, I like a hard combat-y game. Like, I really like Tunic, which mm-hmm. is one of those... Uh, <laughs> it basically said, hey, Link to the Past, but isometric. That's what that game did. Okay. But the designers got sidetracked and said, oh, I really like the boss fights in Dark Souls. And so the boss fights... Yeah, exactly. Are super hard. Yeah. But you have that open exploration and still that uh, sense of wow and discovery in so, playing it. When you say when you say Dark Souls, the reason I sigh, I've sighed a lot on on, on your episode <laughs> here. It makes me wonder if you even like games anymore. But uh, <laughs> the the reason I sighed is because have you play, heard of a game called Final Fantasy Origin: Stranger of Paradise? Heard of it, have not played it. Okay, so a lot of a lot of friends of the show here, uh, Keith Gasper from the Main Quest, uh, Eric Gasper the Unlockables, and uh, Dave Jackson from Tales from the Backlog. They did some episodes on this on on their various shows and platforms. And all I heard was this just over the top. It's incredible. It's so crazy. You got to play it. It's just nuts. It's not a great game, but it has some over the top parts. It's not a bad game either. It's like, oh, okay. I'll check it out. This is action game. It's an action game. I, I, I enjoy action games. I'm down with action games from time to time. And I picked it up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit attack. What button's attack? Oh, it's R1. Why is attack R1? And I like went on Discord and I'm like, why is attack R1? And it's like, Dark Souls, baby. I'm like, no, 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 no. It works. <laughs> it works in Dark Souls because that's a very deliberate and methodical game. And it's just like now if 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 I've been like in some gaming coma, and I admit I have been because I haven't played a lot of modern games in, in a few years. And just now, every single action game has mapped their basic attack button to R1. I don't want to play action games anymore because it, it does it like if you're telling me that like the next Devil May Cry may have act, attack mapped to the R1 or right bumper button, then we have we have lost our way. That's what's wrong with AAA gaming. There it is. It's because <laughs> they they changed action games so that the basic attack button isn't square slash whatever it is on the Xbox. How do you feel about paddles? I know you hate the R1 button for that, but how, how do you feel about paddles? What do you mean? So, like, here, on my desk. So this is a old-school Steam controller, right? Okay. So Ooh. down here? Yeah. That's a button. Yeah. So how do you feel about paddles, then? I have, the I have button? no feeling about paddles. I don't even know how to use them. Don't, I just, you just grip the controller. Well, I, I get that, yeah. but, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm serious. I think I have it for my Hori, Hori Pro Pad controller. I think they have them. The Hori Split Pad Pro that you put on uh, your Switch. And they have right. like little paddles back there. I'm like, what are these for? Oh, you can program them. How do I program them? Uh, that, feels, that feels like too much effort. It feels, feels too specific for games. So, no. I'll just play the game the way it's supposed to be. So, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my feeling about paddles. If I can figure out how to use them, they're probably very beneficial. But I have no idea. Chris, here's one maybe you can help me figure out. Okay. Right, because I've been trying to sort this out for quite some time. All right, in my brain, for whatever reason, the way it's hardwired, this button here mm-hmm. on the PS5 controller is that, that is nowadays button? the share button. Yeah, wasn't this the map button at some point in our lives? Yes. <laughs> what game has that ingrained in my head? Select, like the select yeah, button. It's like the, a the ton select of games. button. 
Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but I, I cannot. Castlevania like, Symphony of the Night did it, I think. That's what that's what everybody says first. But I didn't play that till I got older. Is the thing. Super Metroid. Maybe. Maybe. But the select button in my mind should always be the uh, the map button. So we ended up dropping the game. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. We were going to review it. We ended up dropping it. Uh, mainly because me and one of my other co-hosts were not having fun with it. And every time I wanted to just look at the map of the world to figure out where I was going next, I would hit it. And then, it, you know, my PlayStation would be like, oh, would you like to share this image of your horse doing a poop? But I'm like, no, not really. I'd like to know where I'm going. <laughs> I think the best way that I think was it now you have to press in that like middle touch pad crap. Yeah, which oh god, don't get me started. I hate the PS PlayStation controller so much. Really? I uh, I have it. Yeah, because it's got so much useless stuff on it. Hmm. Like I don't I don't want the share button because I don't think anybody really cares that much about my screenshot or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know some people like to post them. I I cannot scroll past that faster. Right. Um. Thankfully, my PS Five sits next to me at my desk. Uh. So, you know, if I have to recharge this thing, it doesn't take long. But I, 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 I don't really use the trackpad in any game that I no. can think of off the top of my head. No. I would like to strap a couple of AA batteries to this and, like, wire it in there so the controller lasts a little bit longer. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that touchpad on the controller either because yeah. most of the time it's useless because most games are multi-platform. Great. So there's... And they're not going to do anything creative for it exclusively for the PlayStation if it starts from the ground up as multiplayer. So no, one of my co-hosts swears up and down that he types with it. Good for him. I I don't know. I don't know how you do that. It just doesn't make any sense. No, I I, I mean if they figured it out, I mean, great. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to. <laughs> Absolutely not. But uh, no. I don't hate them. Like I think like the, their design. I like the fact that I, I like the way that they're analog sticks feel the most i think i think they feel the most comfortable um aside from that like i guess their d-pad is technically not the worst i think everybody says this xbox is is the worst it has been i like the one on the series x and no one else does i i the xbox controller is my favorite mainly because it's it's just a controller it doesn't do anything else there's no no it has a share button it has a share button. I know it has a share button, but I'm saying it doesn't have like the gimmicky trackpad. No. It doesn't have a gyroscope in it. Nope. It's uh, same with the, the, the controller. The pro controller for, for the Switch. Same yes. same same deal. It's yes. nothing really fancy. There's not even a, a share button on that one, I don't think. Nope. Nope. Best controller. No share button. Best yeah, no controller. share button. But the reason I like it on the Xbox is because we like to share what we're currently playing in our Discord. So when we beat right. the game or we have a scene we want to show, we just hit the take a picture the button. Share. Yeah. And the, the way the Xbox does it, I really like it because it will upload it to your app, and then from your app you can download it to your phone, and you can put it in Discord and stuff like that. And right, I think and that's you can share uh, it off. Yeah, super easy, super easy. Uh, barely an inconvenience, but uh, like the PlayStation One, it's like, where do you want to show it to? Do you want to capture the last ten minutes of footage? I'm like, no, I don't. This is why are you making this complicated? Maybe it's not complicated. I'm just a dumbass. But like, <laughs> I I feel like the Xbox One is is so less complicated. And even on Switch, they have a button that you can take pictures, and that's not complicated. Well, no, nope. it's actually incredibly complicated in order if you want to get them. But uh, yeah, like I don't know. I, I I'm not the one who likes to post to to shitter and say, look what I accomplished today. Have you ever heard of this game? That's that's not me. Right. Uh, ooh, 
What's your what's your thoughts about sharing stuff to social media? People share too much. Like I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I prefer to do just like a little bit of shit posting. Yeah. Maybe you know reshare something you know that somebody's doing that I like or things like that. But people share way too much of themselves online. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I think the last photo of myself like on my personal facebook was me and one of my employees we went down highway 69 <laughs> in alabama so we pulled over to take a selfie with the sign right and you have to <laughs> right right at that point and you know again i don't think okay so that's about the last thing i shared <laughs> hmm. i have but a... people people get uh, really weird with it yeah they do they do um I think one of the reasons I hate social media, first and foremost, is because I just want to say generic positive shit, mm-hmm. or I just want to talk about games or say, oh, this game is good, this game is bad. Um, I, I, there's a lot of people who think their opinions mean a lot, and yeah. I, I've been guilty of that in the past. I'm not here to like be like, oh, shame on you, because uh, I have certainly done it, but now that I'm like older and wiser, like I, I don't care what you have to say. Like, Who are you? Um, yeah. And even like people like that that people know that are constantly popping off about whatever. It's like why? Like you know you're just kicking shit up, right? Like at the end of the day, you, you're not an expert in shit. And you just want to you just want to open your mouth and, and talk about things. Like I don't you're making the world a worse place because you have a lot of money. That's what it comes down to. And you just like, oh, right. people want to hear what I say because I'm rich. No, actually I don't. Um but other people do unfortunately, and that's that's why like shitter and is a bad place and facebook facebook's the weirdest shit i don't understand why people hate facebook as much as they do i mean there's there's reasons they hate it like they spy on you and they try to take your data and sue it and sell it uh sell it to private companies so they can advertise to you and target those advertisements so they can make more money yeah that's all bad but in terms of oh it's so toxic on there like bitch that toxicity is your own because you have to invite those friends you have to join those right just just unfriend them yeah. Just unfriend them and That's, be done with it. You don't have to ever see from them again. Well, they say a lot of bad things in those groups. Are you part of those groups? Yeah. No. Okay, then why do you care? Like, let people let people be toxic and, like, let people stew in their own toxicity. Let, let them bathe one, in their own shit. One of the biggest things I hate so much about Facebook, there's there's two types of posts that, like, drive me up the wall. Yeah. One of them is uh, baby boomers, when they post, they'll do it like a news headline or whatever. Yeah like you know maybe the three people they always interact with like it and they're like oh man it's like that meme you know oh three likes this one's a banger you know oh, yeah and that's how they feel and the other one it's part baby boomer it's part people around our age they ask a question on facebook that you should just ask fucking google <laughs> yeah like uh you know well you're also from down here in the south do you know what a win dixie is the uh, grocery store chain oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so aldi's is bottom Aldi's right? great. Yeah, Aldi's is bought, bought out when Dixie. And oh, so, they bought. Okay, I thought you said yeah, yeah, they bought out. I didn't. Okay, I didn't know. No, no, Sorry, they bought out. They bought out uh, when Dixie, right? Okay. And somebody somebody posted on there, and it's somebody around. Um, I'm a couple years younger than you, but around my age, so around thirty. Okay. And uh, they were like, "How is a relatively new grocery store buying Win Dixie?" <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like you know you read it and like my eye twitches you know when i look at this and i'm like are you just stupid do you do you not like look up like when was aldi's founded i think it was like in the 70s or 60s or something and oh it's old yeah it's it's really old and you're like of course they bought them when dixie's been failing for years yeah 
Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. did you know that, um... So, Aldi, and I might get my facts wrong on this, uh, so if, like, you should check me, as you should check anyone <laughs> on the internet, speaking of misinformation, but... Um, Aldi started in Germany. Yes. And it was actually owned by two brothers, and they both had separate Aldis. And so they had, like, I don't know if it was, like, East and West Germany, or if it was, they just had different things that specialized in different products, but they, they had separate Aldis, but they were brothers. And then when they came over to the United States, there was the Aldi brand of things that showed that sold things at a discount. And then the other brother brought over Aldi's as well, except he changed the name to Trader Joe's. Oh. So Trader Joe's is actually, like, alternate Aldi's. But, yeah, it's they've just, been around. Yeah, they've been around for a very long time. But, you know, you see, like, a post like that, and you're like, you couldn't look up just like and i'm sure if you typed it in on google you would just get like you know a little sidebar that has like year founded ceo you know yeah all that on the side that's like great because i grew up in the north that'd be right. like why is this new company i've never heard of called chick-fil-a buying out all these fast food restaurants like because we didn't have chick-fil-a a lot when i was growing up yeah at all like it didn't exist but that'd be the same thing like dude yeah <laughs> just do like a second of research please. or it's uh I, I guess it's like an old typewriter skill but you find it with a lot of boomers they do like the little three dots all the time for like a pause yeah I do or, or, or or no 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 but they'll not use like a period like you know three periods like you know you and i would nowadays they'll three commas yeah i don't like that like the three commas yeah. is super weird yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like three commas, and that's supposed to indicate the pause instead of a period. And it comes from typewriter classes because I did a little, huh. like, you know, snooping around on that because I kept seeing it. It was like a recurring pattern I noticed. Yeah. Last one, and I know we're really going to agree on this one. Okay. The one that says, you have to copy and paste this to your Facebook status so that Facebook won't steal your information. No, they're still going to steal your information. <laughs> that's, it's one of my favorites, man. What's the harm in trying? <laughs> you know, you look at it, you're like, Grandma, no. <laughs> hey, there's there's reasons why scam like email scams work, man. There's there's yep. There's a reason why people keep trying them is because people keep clicking on them, just like yeah, AAA gaming. <laughs> <laughs> you just referred to it as a scam. Come on now. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> goes back to what's wrong with it there we go <laughs> ah triple a gaming i think it gets shit on too much but we already had that conversation yeah ah uh, it's fine you, would you have anything else you'd like to ask uh, i don't think so man I, I think this has been a great conversation and it's uh, been a lot of fun yeah if you have any other questions i'm here but if you're if you're looking to wrap this up i also understand no it's all good uh i did just find out a game that crossed that 10 year threshold oh what's that when y'all get around to playing Persona 5, give me a shout. That's not... Oh, that's not 10 yet. Persona 5? It is. It is. 5? Yes. The base game, yes. Seriously? Yes. I thought it came out in 16. It's it's 5 years old now. I think for the Japanese release. Maybe. That'd be wild. We go by North American release days. Okay. Well, then you have to give it like an extra year then. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, I would love to, and also wouldn't love to, because I know the amount of hours that goes into that game. <clears throat> I know. I know we're getting close to the end here, but um, oh, you're good. Persona Five was. 
I was trying to make that game the first game I ever platinum for the PlayStation. Cause oh I, really? Yeah, I, I'm not a big trophy chaser. I like getting trophies, yeah. but I'm not like a like a trophy whore or anything like that. Like I don't care. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna but I was like, I really like this game. I really like Persona Five. I'm gonna go get that platinum trophy. So I started the new game plus. I started going down, still having a decent time, and I started realizing some things. Like, oh man, this game, the dialogue does not stop. It does yep. not stop, and I already know what happens. Why can't I skip this? I can't skip this. It's just they're fast forwarding the text. I'm still here for fucking 30 minutes and fast forwarding texts. Okay, whatever. I'm going to make it through this. I'm still having a good time. Still having a good time. Okay, what are those trophies? Got to complete every single quest. I've got this. I got this. I know I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to get it. <laughs> Wait, why? Who, who's the dude that sends those those quests to you over the phone? It says you got to go kill this dude. Oh, Awada. Uh, That's the guy at the uh, gun shop. No, no, no. Not the guy at the gun shop. He's one of your friends, one of your high school guys he's like i got this for the fan oh. of thieves and he texts he it's oh, uh, he sends over your phone oh what's his what's his name? i know who you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway his, he's the yeah. he's the kid nope he's a discord moderator that nobody likes yeah 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 so <laughs> you, you get all the you get all these things from him and they go in sequential order and then i got to a part in the game where i got a message from him and it skipped a quest meaning i couldn't complete his his arc his side quests Oh, because no. there was a bug that that if I did something on the day that he was supposed to send me that side quest for completion towards old side quests, if right. I did something else, I wouldn't get it. And I didn't know that. And then it skipped past it to another one. And that I was 60 hours into like a second playthrough. So I was about 180 hours in this game. <laughs> and I was like, the only reason I'm doing this new game plus is so I can get that platinum. And now I can't get this platinum. And I was like, I'm done. I'm stepping away from it. It's over. And then Royal came out. And my son, he played. He loved Persona 5. He still does. Royal came out. And a lot of people were like, hey, you're going to play Royal? I'm like, no. I've already played Persona 5 twice. It's fine. Oh, but there's new stuff. I don't care. I, I <laughs> don't care. It's it's done. <laughs> it's all done. I'm just going to pretend that me and my shogi playing waifu are off into the sunset, <laughs> having a great time, and that's the end of Persona 5. Ray, I love it, but that's it. Uh, it's also Yuki Mishima. I had to like, because I couldn't remember that kid's name either. Mishima. That's who you're talking okay. about. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it just completely skipped one. So it's like, I, I can't, now I can't get that trophy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that was Persona 5. <laughs> Great. Look, we got that episode out for y'all, and it's like a quick rant. <laughs> there it is. There's there's Persona 5 from, from Retro Hangover. You're welcome. Now Shane doesn't have to play it and say, man, it's so long. I know it's long. So long. Yep. Oh, there's like an extra 40 hours in the Royal. And uh, so my Royal playthrough, the first time I did it, I, I fucked it up. Oh, what'd you do? So, so uh, if you... Because, all right, so I played Persona 5, and I want you to... For me, if the JRPG doesn't start with that word Persona, I might as well just kick it in the trash can. It's like my favorite JRPG series. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'll I start with the word Persona. Yeah. Um, so, some bias after playing the first one, I didn't spend any time with the Ketchy, who's like the big plot twist villain in Persona 5, right? But if you don't max him out in the Royal, him and two other of the new characters, if you don't max them out, then you get locked out of all the new stuff. What? Yeah. 
Which is okay. Yeah. If I you don't max said, him out. If you don't max him out, if you don't max out that new girl who's in all the marketing. Yeah. And by the way, she's only a party member in the last level. And you don't max out the new uh, teacher at school. This is not one you can bone. It's a different one. Of course. Yeah. Uh, he's a psychiatrist, so it plays into the world of, you know, everybody's, uh, oh, what do they call it? Not devs. So I've been playing a little too much Tears of the Kingdom lately. Uh, they're metaverse or whatever. Mm. He's, like, writing a paper on it. So, and he's also, like, the big villain of the last one as well. But if you don't max them out prior to that happening, you're just locked out of it. It, it was hard enough to max out, what's her face? The, the, the fencer. Fencer girl. The last person you get in your party. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Haru? Haru. She's yeah. the last girl in the party. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, keep in mind, I haven't played this game since 2018. So. Right. Um, so Haru, uh, she's yeah. she's almost, she's extremely difficult to max out. Um, so you just need to focus on just her, essentially. Like, the last part of the game. Don't worry. You got an extra 40 hours. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, there's a lot of new dialogue. There's some a bunch of new cutscenes. Um, Hawaii is longer that bit in the game. I, why? No, <laughs> I don't want that to be longer. Yep. That's kind of. Uh, have you played Persona Three? Yes. So compare Hawaii to the Persona uh, Three vacation they go on yep. when they go to that hotel somewhere. And like, I just remember, like, it's funny because you're like running around, you're trying to hide from the girls in the baths. As you're like wandering around, and then like you'll get like slapped and stuff like that. Like yep. it's it's that kind of ridiculousness in in Persona Three. And Persona Three, I think, is the the best of the new era of Personas. Personal opinion. I I, okay. I used to think it was a hot take. I, I guess it's not as hot as I thought it was. Well, uh, Persona Three, I think, has like a big cult following, kind of like our Majora's Mask conversation earlier. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can understand why it's it's darker in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But like Hawaii didn't really have that for me it didn't like persona 4 i felt like it's a good game i love it not yeah. persona 5 i'm sorry persona 5 uh it's it's a great game but i feel like in so many ways compared to 3 and 4 it kind of played it safe yeah i could get that because i i really i really love persona 4 golden it's like i've not played golden i don't know if, is it worth playing golden is it one of those please don't tell me it's worth playing <laughs> I would say I would say play it over the base version of the game mainly because um, so you know how like normally to prevent who the plot twist killer is yeah you know you wouldn't think it's somebody that you're building stats with yeah so Persona 4 spoilers by the way so Adachi is the killer and in Golden you can build stats with him so it kind of uh, if you were like me and that's the first time you played it you would have no idea because you're able to hit stats and things like that and yeah. interact and spend time and you know you would assume oh future party member kind of thing or a confidant as they call him yeah not big daddy is he really I know we're already in the spoiler realm here because like yeah. the big bad is the dude that shakes your hand at, at the very beginning of the game yeah yeah well she's the reason that everything happened but Adachi was the one throwing people into the TV yeah and then just became a police officer just because he wanted to be able to carry a gun and feel powerful. Yeah. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this fucking dweeb. <laughs> so it's very negative perceptions towards nerds when you think 
<laughs> That's fine. Sometimes they need it. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I think every like group has like some negative perceptions on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They need to be knocked down a peg or two, those nerds. Yeah. yeah you know, it's the same. <laughs> same as you can be like, those fucking jocks. <laughs> Well, they don't make they don't make the money anymore. It's all the nerds making the money now. Like they're oh, all absolutely. the rich people. So yeah, absolutely. Make them <laughs> name and shame them. Get after them. <laughs> well, Chris, this has been a wonderful time. Could you please give everybody your plugs one more time? Let them know where to find you and about your show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. But if you want to know where you can find uh, myself over at the Retro Hangover Podcast, go to linktree slash retro hangover. That's linktr.ee slash retro hangover. You'll find a link to all of our stuff, social media, our our Patreon. We have one of those. I'm not going to plug that too hard because that's kind of gross, but it's there. And uh, you can find our YouTube, our Twitch, which you can find. Uh, we'll be stream every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time over there on Twitch. We just play random games. So uh a lot of community members show up. It's a lot of fun, but uh, I hope to uh, check you out there. By the way, if, if you want to, the, the Discord's there as well. That's the best way that you can contact us, talk with us. That's for the most active because I've, I have I severely neglect, as you can hear probably, you could probably infer by my feelings about social media. I severely neglect the, the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks of the world. So if you do want to communicate with us, Discord's where it's at. And that's free to everybody. Just go ahead and jump on in there if you want to, you want to talk with us. But, yeah, once again, linktr.ee slash retro hangover. That's where you can find us, our show, and all the links to our podcast. All right. Thank you so much again, Chris. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much as well. Uh, look forward to this coming out. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And we'll see everybody in the next episode. All right. Bye.